Taylor Walker from the Abbey Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GOS Giants. That's Brad Ever from Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. We are in the month of December, and that is great news for fantasy coaches, because here's what's going to happen. In a matter of days, if you got Super Coach Gold or the Dream Team Assistant Coach feature, your team pickers are days away from landing. Gosh, depending on when you're listening to this, maybe it's already landed. For AFL fantasy coaches, the player price and position rollout, that's going to happen throughout December. That format will open up in January. But we want to take some time on this episode to chat through all of the positions, club by club, and talk through some of their fantasy relevance. To help me do that, I've got Jimmy. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey, MJ. Hello, listeners. It's uh, like Christmas come early here. I'm looking at a full list of every player and every position, and uh, gee, it's nice. Uh, there are some uh, very interesting player additions. There are some very interesting player retains, and there are some interesting ones that didn't quite make it. What we're going to do is we'll go through club by club and really talk about the fantasy relevance of the guys that have gained a position, the guys that have maybe retained it that we thought might not have, and those that have lost and changed a, a DPP. From an Adelaide Football Club perspective, if we went straight there, probably right at the top of the list of the guys that whether it be draft relevant or salary cap relevant, probably the one straight out of the gate that you can probably think of is Wayne Miller. He moves from a mid-forward that he retained, or sorry, that he had in the 2018 fantasy season. Now he's a defender only. There's a little bit of fantasy relevancy for Wayne Miller in there, isn't there, Jimmy? Maybe more draft than anything else, but there's something there. Oh, there's definitely something. I mean, we've seen uh, over the journey the Crows um, you know, halfbacks can get a few points amongst them. So uh, if he's going to slot in nicely into that role and keep doing uh, what he did and uh, and improve on that some more, I think he becomes very relevant. I'm keen to see what sort of price he's at and uh, and where he might fall in a draft league. Well, that's going to be the really interesting thing, isn't it? His scores were solid enough like he's going to be priced in that kind of mid 70s range and again by the time you're listening to this episode the team pickers of your format could have landed but really once he got flipped back into that half back role we saw some incredible scores just out of the back 80 81 112 83 91 101 comparable numbers for Supercoach. So with Dream Team and AFL fantasy numbers um Brody Smith it did impact his numbers a little bit I'm not massively, but enough to certainly cut off some of the ceiling edge there. I'm not too sure, mate. It's always dangerous to rule someone out in December um, that they're not <laughs> going to be as a part of your salary cap side. But with, with so many great defenders, some new ones and some ones that we're going to retain, it, you're really looking for a 90-plus average from a defender for them to be in your squad at some point in the year. Oh, I'm not sure I see that for Wayne in salary caps. Drafts, though, there's some relevance there. Oh, definitely, yeah, I agree. He's much more relevant in drafts than the year's salary, but uh, I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm going to see what he does in preseason. There's some stuff there, that is for sure. Darcy Fogarty has lost his DPP. He retains um, the forward part of that, but loses his midfield. And fair enough, he barely got outside of forward 50 in the handful of games he got for the Adelaide Crows. Um, one of the interesting additions, again, more draft relevant than salary cap, Richie Douglas moves from a midfielder only to a mid forward. He probably, Jimmy, moves from that potential of okay, look, I'll, I'll stash him away on my extended bench, depending on the depth of your draft league, to all of a sudden. Gosh, maybe he's your bench 
your or your emergency cover in your forward line now. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Is uh, is he still best twenty-two <laughs> at the craze? I don't know. He's um, I I think he's... he and McKay are uh, pushing for depth. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd agree. I think if he's getting twenty-two games this year, you're in all sorts. So uh, I don't know about that, but um. Another one who's uh, he was a Ford last year and he's a Ford this year, but he's got a different uh, set of colours on him now. Is uh, Tyson Stengel? I'm, I'm curious to see uh, how he shapes up now. Well, it's something that we're going to talk about, no doubt, countless times throughout the preseason at the website and also here on the podcast. Um, is the makeup of every single different side, and Adelaide have certainly, hopefully, learnt from what we've seen from uh, the likes of. Collingwood, West Coast and Richmond over the past kind of two years where these smaller pressure applying forwards really impact games. And outside of Eddie Betts, um, Adelaide haven't had one. So the inclusion of McAdam, the inclusion of Stengel and, and even um, in McHenry in the draft, you know, you could see those three guys vying for that one spot in the side. Which of the three get it? Gosh, you know. Uh, that's a bit hard to call it December, but you're right. I think there's something there with a couple of those guys that'll be cheap cash cows for us. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, another one that um, suddenly loses a lot of relevance, I think, um, now that he's uh, lost a, his defence eligibility, is Paul Seedsman. Uh, becomes a mid-only now after spending a year on a wing. Yeah, no, exactly right. Fair enough. I've got no problem with that decision at all. Moves from, yep, draft relevant, even with salary cap relevant for kind of the first, you know, half to two-thirds of the year. Uh, but, yeah, look, he, he's almost undraftable at that stage unless somehow crazily ultimate footy choose to add defensive status to him. Um, all salary cap formats start the same. Um, ultimate footy starts the same, but then sometimes they like to add on their own. And, and unless they did that, you're not touching him anywhere. Um, some thought Hugh Greenwood might have picked up forward status. He's just stayed as that midfielder only. I think from my perspective, they're kind of the crows from a positional perspective that have some relevance that you're going to talk about. There's plenty of premiums to look at in the back line, midfield, forward, but positionally, they're your big ones. Yep, yep. I'd agree with that completely. And um... uh, Let's head over to the, the Brisbane. Sorry, mate. No, no, you're right. I was about to say exactly what you just did. <laughs> Having a look at Brisbane here. But, yeah, again, uh, well, a, let's talk about the Lions. Players, it, yeah. And again, uh, there's some guys here that I, I feel like the changes are going to give you some draft relevance, but maybe not a whole heap. The, the first one that kind of caught my eye, and again, maybe it depends on the depth of the draft league, but someone like a, a Ryan Lester, who's previously held dual position status as a mid forward, he's now a defensive only option again depending on the depth of on-field defenders you need there could be something there josh walker's gone from dpp defender forward to just a pure defender whether or not he stays in the side with marcus adams um coming in i'm not certain about that Um, but i i think for their sake i I hope that's the case i'm sure he's a lovely um, bloke but yeah reese matheson Exactly right. Uh, Reese Matheson uh, retains his mid-forward DPP. He was a guy that um, plenty of people across the fantasy community thought would kind of break out last year. Never really got that role and opportunity. I know Beams is out, but Neil comes straight in. Have other Brisbane youngsters kind of passed him by? Look, I think he's still going to get his opportunity this year, and uh, and I think he's good enough that he will break at some point, whether that's this year or next year or um or whether it's at that club or somewhere else down the track, I don't know. But um, you'd think sooner or later it's going to happen, and uh, those who do get on board at the right time are going to make sure they tell everyone all about it, I'm sure. 
Oh, yes, they will. Uh, Cam uh, Rayner has moved from a dual position mid forward to just a pure forward. Um, ben Keyes has also just moved from forward status to midfielder. Mitch Robinson, uh, he loves playing fight night and he also likes being a mid forward. So he's an option through there. Probably the big one from a Brisbane perspective that people thought was going to be a very relevant option. If he retained his DPP, he has not. I'm referring to Hugh McCluggage. He's now just a midfielder only. He goes really, Jimmy, doesn't he, from someone that could break out to be a, a premium forward to now if he does break out, he, he's going to, gosh, maybe he can push into that high 90s sort of average next year. But at this stage, I'd struggle to feel confident that he could reach a triple-figure average. Look, anything's possible. Yeah. I'm not too sure that he's there just yet. No, me neither, to be honest. Um, as you say, if he'd uh, kept that forward, he becomes very, very relevant, I think, as a genuine breakout contender, but uh, not enough as a mid. Um, I don't think he'll make you enough cash to warrant being a cow, and he certainly won't average enough to warrant being a keeper. So uh, a handy type to jump on in a draft league, potentially, but, um, yeah, certainly not in uh, your salary formats, I don't think. Yeah, I think so. So Tommy Cutler moves as a midfielder only, similar to a Paul Seedsman, goes from pretty relevant in drafts to pretty much yeah. fantasy irrelevance. Maybe Zach Bailey, maybe he's picked up mid-forward DPP. Maybe there's something there a little bit, but outside of that, for me, that, that feels like the, the positional relevance of the Brisbane Lions. Yeah, I'd say so, mate. There's, um, yeah, a lot of um, really interesting players there, and I'm keen to see which of those... Uh, Young Lions do step up next year, but um, positionally, I think we've covered that nicely. All right, fair enough. No doubt, like we said, right throughout the fantasy preseason, throughout the month of January, February, and even into a bit of March, we will be analysing club by club all the JLT matches, uh, looking at the brand new rules and the 50 most relevant, which gets underway January 1st. When we talk about Carlton's fantasy relevancy from a positional change, Dale Thomas was handy enough as a mid-forward for us last year. He's gained defensive status. That's where he played a lot of last year with uh, Sam Doherty going down injured. The big question I've got, Jimmy, about that is, is how do Carlton look to structure up as they prepare for the future? Doherty's coming back into the side. They've drafted relatively well another couple of young midfielders in Walsh and Stocker, and then they've added to their forward stocks with Mitch McGovern coming into the side. I don't see a role for him inside the forward 50 group. I can't see them bringing a 30-plus-year-old back up to the wing. So the role he plays... I'm really fascinated to see how Carlton choose to use him and even a Cade Simpson in that regard as well. Yeah, there's um, yeah, there's got to have a certain sort of balance, I suppose, in terms of um, the, the kids and then a bit of experience to guide them around. But uh, yeah, like you, I just can't quite see where he fits in and, and who spot he, he would be or who he'd be keeping out of the team if um, if they are playing him um, down back or, or anywhere else for that matter. So it's... Uh, a really interesting one there, well, and um, and especially down back, they've got so many of those uh, running halfback types now between him and Doherty, and they brought Newman in as well, and of course Simpson, as you said, there's um there's no shortage of that type of player. Is he really going to be the best one to fill that role? Yeah, look, it's going to be interesting to see. No doubt they'll want to have some leadership and some experience in that side. They won't want to go full yeah. early days GWS. But, uh, look, that's the real interesting one. How do Carlton structure up? Um, their fans and the club are very bullish that they're going to bounce back, uh, you know, up the ladder a couple of spots. How far? That's the question. But yeah. I'm not sure. Definitely not 
salary cap relevant, Dale Thomas, maybe late in a draft, depending on the round you're picking him up. Uh, I, I can't see him averaging what he did last year, but look, I've been wrong before and uh, I'll probably be wrong again. <laughs> oh, look, it'll, it happens to the best of us, eh? Yeah, it's true. It just happens to me a lot more than anyone else. Um, Nick Newman uh, has gained a defensive status. He's moved away from a midfielder. Again, he's in that category we just spoke about of players of, is he best 22? Some are really bullish on it. Some others think he's just there as depth and opportunities. How Carlton choose to structure that midfield group around Cripps with the assistance of those developing kids around them. Um, and certainly you've got the likes of Kerno and Murphy that are bringing that extra experience. Where they choose to play Doherty, you know, th- these are all the kind of fundamental questions that these variables kind of trigger where Newman plays, if Newman plays, and then what fantasy relevance is he? Because he has been a great scorer for us at times, granted as a, a cash cow, but we've seen a ceiling about him. Whether he has the luxuries that he does to do that, whether he has the role or even is in the side, these are all things we'll get to figure out as the preseason goes on. Yeah, yeah, uh, great. Uh, Sam Petrovsky Seaton is just a forward only. He loses the midfielder component of his DPP, similar with Garlett, but he's fantasy irrelevant. You're not getting anywhere near him. Um, one I like the potential of Paddy Dow. Yes. Uh, he was a midfielder last year. He's now on um, mid-forward status. We see this a lot, Jimmy, we don't we, with the second-year players mm-hmm. where they were midfielders only in their draft year, and then they pick up a defensive status or a forward status or, or, or a combination of the two. Paddy Dow doesn't have to do a lot more growth to become, in drafts, yeah. fantasy relevant. Oh, absolutely. And I wouldn't be too surprised if uh, either this year or next he uh, does what uh, Clayton Oliver did or you know, a Jack McRae type uh, has done and uh, suddenly steps up from being a, a fairly good player to being uh, bordering on that um, that top line very, very quickly. He's um, yeah, a big fan of that kid. So would he be someone to kind of change tax a little bit for a minute? Is he yeah. someone that you'd kind of look to try to jump after in a keeper league right now? Like he averaged in the mid to high 50s across formats from, I think it was like 20 games he played last year. Is he the kind of guy you'd be jumping now on? Oh, absolutely. He's um, That's the sort of player I love to target in a keeper league. Is, um, you know, your, your highly rated draft picks where you know they've got the goods about them. It's just a matter of time before they get there. But the people who used a, an early draft pick on them and get really impatient in their keeper leagues and you know, want them scoring better than that right from day one. Or, um, you know, they, they might well be prepared to give him up for, for less than uh, he should be worth um, just, just because they're impatient. So, no, I'd be all over that very quickly if I could. All right, fair enough too. Will Setterfield retains his mid-forward status. He'll be one of the most highly selected players you'd believe in 2019 in salary caps. Mm. Barring something disastrous happening with his pricing, he's going to be one of, if not the most selected player next year. Yeah, and, and rightly so. He's um, Again, we don't necessarily expect the world out of him, but um, yeah, if, he's, if he's priced as we think he will be and uh, with that dual position, there'd be no reason not to pick him. Yeah, no, fair enough too. Uh, Sam Walsh and Liam Stocker, they're uh, two top draft picks. Uh, both of them are midfielders only. Again, whether you choose to play 
the premium um, on them as a draftee cash cows, I'm not so sure. It's certainly worth watching their preseason. Um, both are going to get plenty of games. They paid a high price for Stocker, and certainly Sam Walsh has been one of the most consistent um, sort of rated players at junior level for such a long period of time, arguably one of the safest number one picks you know, in the past handful of years, that's for sure. So uh, I think they're both worth considering, but again, while we are talking positions in this sort of podcast, which is helpful when you look at all the different formats that we do here at Coaches Panel, it's kind of half of the equation, isn't it, Jimmy? The other half is the price tag attached to it because who cares if they've got the position they need. If they're priced in a, in a part that's out of the market or over the top, uh, then who cares if they're positionally relevant, their pricing could rule them out. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think it's a, it's an easy trap to fall into. but. Um... You know, just because they've got that makes them relevant, but um, you've still got to be able to get that growth out of them one way or another. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about Collingwood, unless there's any other blues that you're dying to really have a conversation about. Um, Crisp keeps his defensive status as expected. <laughs> I thought so, man. Uh, Levi Greenwood goes from mid-forward status to defensive status. Uh, handy enough in his shutdown roles, again, um, I don't think you're going to be picking him in any of his salary cap formats. James Aish keeps defensive mid-status, so maybe you're looking to stash him away as a, a late draft pick um, in your draft league. But then there's a heap of guys that have lost DPP. Um, Daniel Wells goes from mid-forward to just forward status. Again, maybe worth a, a late stash um, in your draft league. It would be brave to get him in a salary cap format. Varco, Cox, uh, Dacos, Dugowie, um, all lose their DPP from last year and are just pure forwards this year, similar with Callum Brown. Uh, I'm not really sure any of them are really relevant unless there's a crazy discount for Jamie Elliott. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Um, another one that's, that's maybe worth a quick highlight is that, um, especially in the Keeper League, it's been uh, those who have been lucky enough to have Grundy there will have uh, been stashing away Cox behind him uh, just as a, a handcuff to... Uh, for your rucks, but um, mm. he's now lost his ruck status and there's a forward only. So um, to use the same sort of strategy, you're relying on a, a Jordan Roughhead type now instead, which um, you know, may or may not play um, regardless of whether Grundy does or not anyway. Yeah, no, fair enough too. Uh, oh, a couple of changes. Chris Maines now just a midfielder only, again, only vaguely draft relevant. Similar with Will Hoskin Elliott. He's moved from midfielder status to forward again. We're really scraping low in the bottom of the barrel for this oh, one for you, but. Um, you these last few minutes, so scraping yeah, the barrel sort of you resonates, are. doesn't it? <laughs> oh, look, we've got Essendon next. Fan. That's great. Oh, the fantasy relevance just keeps on coming. Uh, Aaron Francis is just a pure defender. He loses that defensive forward DPP. Um, yeah, now then Andrew McGrath. Um, so just on Francis, I'd seen a couple of um, yeah. super coach pages suggesting that he was going to be a forward next year, which um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and if it was the case, um, A, that's baffling, and, and B, would be the first time ever that um, – Supercoach have deviated from champion data. So I think for the minute, um, so, you know, certainly when team pickers come out, that'll confirm it, but uh, we can probably roll a line through that. He's very clearly defender only, I think. I would think I would think I would call that the MJ factor, which is a human error typo. 
Yeah. So I, I don't think there's anything too much to worry about that. And again, look, maybe his super coach draft relevant, maybe worth stashing away late in a keeper league, but in a salary cap format, you're not going anywhere near Aaron Francis at the price he's going to cost you. There's so much likely value we're going to get, not just in our top liners, um, you know, such as a, a Sam Doherty, but even right towards the bottom end of the barrel, we'll talk through them in the 50 most relevant. You're just not going to need to go to those speculative mid-prices in the back line this year. You're just not going to need to do it. Yeah, no, no, absolutely agree with that. But uh, 50 most relevant, very excited to see that coming back. Yeah, January 1st, daily articles, the podcast, uh, really looking forward to it. There's some surprises in there, that is for sure. Uh, let's keep talking through the positional relevance, though. Uh, Andrew McGrath has added midfield status to go with his defensive. So uh, maybe just flexibility more than anything else you're gaining. Probably was the year coaches, especially in keeper leagues, were kind of being bullish that he'd break out and salary cap coaches similar, going, okay, look, he, he's shown some signs, maybe not as big a ceiling, as we would have liked um, in, in a couple of games from Andrew McGraw, but, but there's positive signs, enough to kind of make you go, yep, there's something here. The inclusion, though, of Dylan Shield um, probably means that despite his average sticking around the same of, you know, around that 70, which he's done for both his seasons, and I think it's like 40-odd games, yeah. that's the cooling of the jet for fantasy coaches now, isn't it? What is the impact Shield has to the midfield rotation and group? Yeah, absolutely, and and uh, certainly with these new rules in place, where we're starting at six six six, is he going to be in that middle group more often than not? You'd you'd have to wonder at this point. And um, but does that now? Um, you know, and is there going to be potential where he becomes that um, that sort of halfback distributor instead? I think um, the kid's got enough talent about him and enough now to be able to find the ball um, regardless of his position. And I think um, averaging uh, what he has over two full seasons and, and his first two seasons of that shows that he's certainly got a bit about him. And I wouldn't be surprised if um, if he is one that does jump up quite suddenly um, at some stage as well, despite those other inclusions. So, again, whether it's this year or yeah. next or at some point down the track, um, he's another one that, um, if he's not already owned by an Essendon supporter, because good luck getting him off one, um, he's one that I'd be trying to chase <laughs> the league as well. Yeah, certainly agree with that, man. Uh, Darcy Parrish uh, retains his mid-forward status, as does Kyle Langford. If those guys can get themselves into the midfield rotation, I would be then tempted in a draft. Salary cap, I think there's so many great forwards, and we're going to talk about one of them that has kept a forward status in just a moment, um, but there's so many great top-tier forwards um, that speculative guys like Langford and Parrish, you're just not going to have to take that risk this year. No, absolutely not, but as you said, very, very draft-relevant. Yeah, I think so too. Devin Smith, um, I made the call countless times throughout last year on our Facebook live videos and YouTube channel uh, before we decided that, yes, we were able to come back and do the coaches panel again in 2019. Uh, I made the call countless times saying, look, there is not a planet in the known universe that you would confidently land on and say Devin Smith retains forward status. And yet yes. here we are, champion data of allocated. I've got no problem with that. Yeah, I, you know, we, none of us have the full access to the details and the informations and the breakdown of the positions. So um, you've got to put the trust in, in the fact that they're making the right call. But at the end of the day, um, 
we all get him. So it's not worth something. You know, I've heard and seen people across social media going, how the heck did Devin Smith get it and not Dusty? And, and maybe, sure, that there's some valid perspective in that. But at the end of the day, great news is a guy that was a top-tier forward this previous season, you're going to be able to have him again. Maybe not start with him based on the price and the options around, but the good news is you got a 100 forward that you didn't think you'd have, so happy days. All right, uh, that, that's enough talk about Essendon. Let's talk about Fremant. <laughs> Such a tiger. Uh, probably the most relevant positional gain in terms of a positional change for Fremantle is Connor Blakely. He moves from midfielder status to defensive status. And whether or not he gets that Lockie Neal midfield rotation, midfield minutes kind of split or not, in one part is kind of irrelevant. No, I say that because he's shown even as a defender, he can push that average into the early 90s. He's in the conversation, you'd think, for a, a top 10 defender. Now, whether or not he's the one you want, buy structures, you know, the split with the defenders you want to start with in the premiums, because we've actually got a ton, like in the forward line too, a ton of these top-tier defensive options, and which ones people go is really fascinating to me. Oh, absolutely it is. And I actually really like that they've done that this year and that, um, you know, starting off the, with round one of the season, you, we can't pick all of the top line options in your forward line and your back line. It's, um, mm. there's, there's such a wide choice now. And so, um, it's going to make the starting team certainly a, a lot more unique than, um, than they have been in the past, I think, in some ways. And that, um, yeah, you've got uh, yeah, so many options now. Um, yeah, fascinated to see uh, which ones people choose to go with. Yeah, I, I think so too. Like, even if you look at a buy structure for a, uh, for a second, like you look at round fourteen, um, Rory Laird and the Adelaide Crows. He's probably yeah. one of the top vendors. You'd assume Carlton, probably Doherty. You know, maybe there's a big fall from grace, yeah. even if he get close to replicating. You, I still struggle to see a world where he's not over that ninety average. Um, GWS will talk about them, but Lockie Whitfield has gained defensive status. So there's three big premiums for us, let alone if we happen to get anything from Gold Coast or Richmond, you know, um, then you kind of head to that round 12 by the first one, which Fremantle on, Essendon, Port, Western Bulldogs, St Kilda, Hawthorne. Not really many premium defenders come straight to mind there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And that's only going to be part of the equation as well, of course. And then, uh, you know, when you look at the, the fixture run for the first few rounds and, uh, who they're up against and what sort of scores you're expecting there, there's, um, there's a lot of things to consider in, in which ones you do start with and, and which ones you don't equally important, I think. Yeah, I think you're right, man. Look, Stephen Hill's gained defensive status. He's moved as a midfielder, but probably not relevant in your salary cap formats. He was as a rookie and not much since then, um, but definitely oh, in draft. It would be great if you're playing waffle fantasy, I suppose. <laughs> you're on up in this episode, aren't you, mate? Just wait till we get to your Tigers. Um, Adam Cherry has moved from a midfielder to a forward, like Paddy Dow, isn't he, Jimmy? This second-year player gaining a new position, you might be able to, if you've got an impatient keeper league coach that you're in a league with. Yeah, I think he only averaged in the mid to high 50s across the formats. He's a ripper of a kid, probably the best of the lot from last year's draft. From a fantasy perspective, go out and get him. It might be hard now that he's a forward, but he's got fantasy chops all over about him. Oh, yes, he does. Absolutely. No, I'm very, very keen there. And, uh, 
and and just watch if um, if if you're talking to someone about him preseason and they're just refusing to budge and uh, he comes out and has a few early average scores uh, to start his year, they um, you might find uh, owners starting to panic a little bit and taking what they can get for him, which is uh, absolutely the wrong thing to do and uh, jump all over that if you can. Yep, no, certainly. Uh, a couple of DPP uh, gains uh, for Fremantle. Bailey Banfield is one of those. He picked it up in AFL Fantasy last year, the forward status, but he's a dual position player. But again, probably not going near him. Mundy retains that mid-forward status, and I think he'll still get plenty of midfield time with the departure of Lockie Neal, as will Michael Walters. Travis Collier is a fantasy irrelevant uh, player. <laughs> I'm just being blunt. Uh, a player that was fantasy relevant last year, yeah, and uh, is really going to hurt coaches um, this year, especially if you're keen to hold on to him in the keeper league. Um, Ed Langdon goes from a mid-forward status. Yeah. We kind of out of nowhere. He's a midfielder only. He's kind of in no man's land in the averages, and uh, he's not averaging enough to keep in a keeper league, but you kind of feel dirty delisting him, but even dirtier for trying to hold on to him because it was just, you know, this one out of the box. I'm not too sure if he's going to do that with some of the new uh, recruits and inclusions to Fremantle, and we'll talk about one of them in a moment, but, oh, yeah, yuck. Yeah, Yeah, hard hard to call on that one. I'd be inclined to keep him personally, but um, just on the off chance he does it again, I'd rather keep him and then get rid of him later than uh, get rid of him and watch someone else enjoy, so. That's um, it's a tough one, but yeah, it's, that's got to be done. I think. Yeah, I think so too. Um, really, really interesting option is um, no, you're right. I was just uh, looking at the the name directly below his, and uh, Harley Bennell there has uh, gone from a four to a mid only, but he's another one where I think um, position's fairly irrelevant for him. If you think he's going to play a few games, uh, he becomes relevant wherever he is. Yeah, his price is going to be the ultimate definer um, outside of his yeah. fitness and his body. Um, but he is a – if you're going after Harley Bennell, I remember years ago uh, Ben wrote at the website an article about injury variation, but it was the basic premise of the article was if a player is quote-unquote injury-prone, start with them, don't trade them in because the variables of them likely to inc- get injured increase for every game that they play in their fit. So someone like a Harley Bunnell, who unfortunately in the past four years or so of his career is just injury riddled, it's you start with him or you walk away completely regardless of, of the position. He's got to be dirt cheap. He's relevant if he can play because the guy can score 90 in an average, um, which at his price point, You've got to consider all you need is six games. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, too. You don't need to hold him all season. You just get a bit of cash out of him, take it, and run. <laughs> yeah, just ran for the hills. And, uh, and, and it's just all, it's all, it's like Bitcoin. Just get off as quickly as you can and hope you're on the right side of it. Um, and then don't talk about it in 2019. Um, Reese Conker uh, was a defender. He's now a midfielder, only really fallen away in fantasy relevance now, even in drafts because of that. Uh, Luke Valenti should get some games early for Fremantle. He's a midfielder, cash cow only. The positive of him kind of dropping down the draft board on the draft days and night is he's just cheaper for us as fantasy coaches. That's the positive. Oh, absolutely, and we we don't complain about that at all. Um, and he's no. a Fremantle where he should get a few games, you'd think. Um, yeah, you'd think so. And, and that's something we'll talk about a fair bit in the preseason, not on this episode, but the vacancy of Lockie Neal from the Fremantle midfield. How are those midfield minutes 
reallocated? Is it a certain player? Is it a group of players? I think Valentia is certainly someone that needs to be in the conversation for someone that could take some of those midfield minutes. Not a great swap for, you know, like-for-like replacement just yet, but certainly is someone in the conversation. Uh, Rory Lobb is a ruck forward. Um, Maybe some draft relevance there for you, depending on how deep your draft is, but um, he's never shown great scoring potential as a forward um, when he's been there predominantly. His scoring potential is when he's solo rucked, but with the likes of Sanderlands and also Darcy, who are going to leave that opportunity, I'm not too sure I could go there. No, I'd be leaving that well alone, I think, personally. Yeah, no, that's a fair enough point, too. Let's head to the Geelong Football Club. Um, There is one very, very big one that we'll talk about in just a few moments. Um, On a slightly less relevant scale would be a Brandon um, Parfit. He's just a pure forward only. Again, a great guy to go and jump after in a keeper league. Don't think I'd go anywhere near him just yet in the salary cap format. Even though he had a, a ripping month, kind of in that opening third of the year last year. Um, I just don't have the confidence that Geelong would give him that role in the side that would make him a top-line forward. And as we've already said in this episode, there are so many great forward options this year, you probably don't need to take the risk on speculative breakouts if you don't really want to. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. um, And and if you are going to take that sort of risk, there's probably – Probably better options than Parfit. Um, he might well be solid, but I don't think he's the one that you're looking for. Yeah, I think so too. Sam Menegola retains mid-forward status. Some thought uh, he may lose that, but he retains that, uh, which is fantastic news. Uh, for owners, I think he, he's in the conversation as a top 10 forward for us, that's for sure. Yeah, and so are his teammates in uh, Tim Kelly, Luke Dalhouse, and Patrick Dangerfield now. Look at that. There is a bunch of mid-forwards, and as you just said, Tim Kelly's picked up forward status, as has Patrick Dangerfield. Patrick Dangerfield now will be one of the most owned players in all of fantasy football. Whether or not you believe he can bounce back to those 115, 120, 130 days, depending on the format you play, is semi-irrelevant. I struggle to see a world where a forward outscores Patrick Dangerfield. Yeah, there's, there's certainly not going to be many ahead of him at the very least. Um, I think that's when you can lock away quite safely. And uh, I just wanted to um, touch but just very quickly on um, uh, where, did, where did he go? Um, oh. Just a couple of the young mids as well. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, Charlie Constable uh, is still just a, a mid only. And yeah. uh, and Lockie Fogarty is the one that I've got just a little eye on as well. Um, certainly in terms of keeper uh, keeper league prospects, um, who's now gone from a mid only to a forward only. Yep. No, there, there's certainly some relevance there, um, especially with both of those guys, Fogarty for uh, for keeper leagues, and then Constable. If for whatever reason there's some injuries that impact the Geelong midfield structure, he should get opportunities. Big, big lad, and uh, you know, in time, needs to get games in that aging midfield. While there's still the Selwoods, Abletts, Dangerfields, Menegolas, Dunk, uh, Duncan, um, you know, Guthrie. You know, there's so many people that can roll through there. Even Dalhouse now um, is, is an option to roll through there for them. 
he needs to get some opportunities at some point. And when he does, should be a good cash cow for us. Um, Luke Dalhouse, we'll talk about him a, a, a little bit more. He'd need to get midfield minutes, and I'm not sold. He's going to get a ton of them at Geelong. I, I think he's going to come back to that sort of 80 to 85 sort of pressure forward for us where he does get some midfield minutes. He does impact the scoreboard, but that defensive work that he's done so well previously at the Western Bulldogs, I think he as well um, as uh, Gary Rowan will add some new dynamics to that Geelong mid uh, forward line rather than to the Geelong midfield. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the difference between the two, of course, is uh, Dalhouse is very relevant uh, for drafts and Gary Rowan is not. Um, sure. <laughs> that's um, that, I think that's fairly straightforward there. Uh, shall we yeah, move on to Gold Coast? Look at you, just wanted to get it done. You you, you don't want to talk about that Reece Stanley's just a pure ruck? Uh, is, is he relevant either way? I don't know. Uh, in drafts, there's something there, but that's about it. Uh, from a Gold Coast, <laughs> Charlie Ballard moves from a forward midfielder. He just has pure defensive status. Um, Pierce Hanley has lost his DPP, but he's still a defensive option. And depending on his price point, could be a tasty option for us if he is fit. And then there is a ton of defensive forward options that have kind of added in to the Gold Coast Suns. Callum Archie is now defensive forward from just a pure forward. Um, Jacob Heron is a defensive forward. Lockie Weller is a defensive mid. Uh, I believe he was just a, a, a midfielder last year, a defender last year. Regardless, he should be one of those guys that takes on greater responsibility in the Gold Coast Suns midfield this year. And uh, look, Again, I'm not so sure I'd be going near him in a salary cap, but in a draft, you should be able to get a little bit of a, a little bit of value there with Lockie Weller. Yeah, I'd have thought so. He's certainly one uh, to keep an eye on, absolutely. And um, and and Jack Martin's another one I think too that's worth uh, watching. Um, it was just a forward last year, is uh, mid forward this year. Um, yeah, kid's got a bit of talent to him, and uh, he showed some some decent scoring at times last year as well. Yeah, he certainly did. Harry Wiggs moved from midfielder status to just pure defensive. Now, he was only picked up recently as a, a rookie in the rookie draft. So the fact that he was kind of delisted and re-rookied does say a little bit about where the club rates him in terms of his likelihood of being in, in their initial eyes of best 22, especially with the inclusion of a whole heap of recycled players. Um, I'm not so sure... Harry Wiggs anywhere in that conversation just yet, but if he does get into the side, he'll be basement price cash cow, and if he can get four or five, six games for us in a run, he should make some money. Oh, yeah, that's it. Keep an eye on him, but uh, certainly don't bank on starting him at any time. No, I wouldn't have thought so. Uh, Corey Ellis, the former Tiger, retains his defensive mid status. And again, depending on his price point, you should strongly consider this guy. A, a fantasy scorer. You're the Tiger supporter, so you can talk about him better than I, but <laughs> really good user of the ball too. Tigers would have been a little bit sad to see him go. Yeah, that's it. He um, never quite made it uh, at senior level um, with, with the Tigers. He, he was always clearly a cut above in the VFL, and um, you, know, you can expect him to get 45 possessions a week in the NFL, I suppose, on that form. But when he does play seniors with the Suns, um, it would be very interesting to see um, just what sort of form he can bring there. He's, um, as you said, beautiful user of the footy. He's, um, he's a great kick. Um, whether he's going to 
step up at that level or not is the real question mark on him, I think, at this point. No, absolutely it is, that's for sure. And you may be considering a Chris Burgess um, as a cash cow option for us. Again, not sure at time of recording how these guys that were kind of the pre-selected players out of um, state leagues, what they're going to be priced at. That's not being revealed just yet. So depending on his price point, there could be some uh, fantasy relevance there. Uh, Rankin, Lacocious, and King, they're three early picks. They've all picked up forward status. Uh, Shear is a mid-forward, but I don't think there's any real relevance uh, for any of that moving on from the Gold Coast Suns. Please take me. Um, when we look at GWS, there's one real big one, isn't there? Lockie Whitfield gains defensive status. Zach Williams is back in the side. The likelihood of him moving back up, higher up the ground, which we did see during the finals, um, is likely to happen. So he could sneak into that midfield rotation back out on the wing and probably average similar to what he's done historically. But as a defender, he should be in that top 10 conversation. Yeah, I'd expect so. He's um, one that uh, you'd have to look at very, very, very hard. And um, and if you don't pick him, you'd be sweating on him every week uh, watching him burn you, I think. Um, yeah, it uh, makes that a very easy choice, I think, just quietly. Uh, yeah, look, there's a bit of tag potential about him, sure. But when you've got the likes of Josh Kelly rolling through the side um, and to let him off the hook... It's um it's dangerous, and that's a sign of it's you know kind of the sign of a good side, isn't it? When you can shut down on one player, but then you've got two or three other guys that are going to punish you equally as much. And you know, Lockie Whitfield is certainly a player that if you give him too much time and space with the ball, he is absolutely going to cut you up. But then if you lock him down, Josh Kelly's going to go and do the exact same thing. Oh, that's it. They've got any number of players that are capable of that too these days. I think. Um... Um, Ganelio, Ward, Hopper, Taranto, yeah. just keeps going on and on. Um, speaking of Taranto, uh, he's lost forward status, similar to McCluggage. Um, people might have expected him to retain that and be in that conversation as one of the best forwards. You don't have that option anymore. Not so sure he'll jump up to be the elite premium or the big uber premium you want. Maybe you're prepared to take the gauntlet in an AFL fantasy and get a little bit of value there, but... I think there's more fat on the bone of some cheaper options that could score in that high 90s that you could go after rather than getting a guy already at his price point. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. And um, yeah, certainly still very draft relevant, I think, but uh, not so much in your salary formats. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, look, Brett Delidio was a forward last year. He's a midfielder only. Um you just can't pick him, can you? Like, even in a keeper league, depending on the size of the keepers it is, like, you'd, you'd be throwing him back into the pool um, at, at that point based on not just injury and history and things like that. Yeah, I, I, I'd almost, again, depends on how deep the league is. Yeah, that's it. He certainly loses a, an awful lot of relevancy, even as a depth pick. I do agree with that. Um, another one who's lost a lot of relevancy, I think, is um, not that he had a, a huge amount to begin with, is Adam Tomlinson, who's... Uh, Lost his defensive status and is now a mid only as well. Yeah, I. Uh, look, if you're picking Adam Tomlinson in your draft league, there, there, there's certainly some p- potential there. You're running real deep in the draft. We're talking. You're keeping. You know, you're more than thirty people in your squad. You need forty people in your squad, and that's when you're looking at Tomlinson. Um, so yeah, no, look, m- maybe he gets an in ultimate footy back again, but no, for me, you don't want to go anywhere near him. 
Um, we want to talk uh, Hawks for a second. James Sicily loses forward status but keeps his defensive status, which was kind of expected. Jarman Impey, still a forward eligible option, but now also a defensive forward. Um, so there's something potentially for you there. Chad Wingard, still a mid forward. Harry Morrison moves from defensive status to mid forward. James Warple, midfielder last year, now just a mid forward. Um, they, and probably along with Jonathan Segler, who's picked up forward status as well, um, they're probably the big relevant ones. That's it. There's not a whole lot else I'm looking at on, uh, on that list there that I think, oh, that needs a mention. They're, um, yeah, it's all pretty bland, I think. Yeah, look, you know, someone like Segler, depending on his price and your starting ruck structure, again, something we'll talk about. Look, maybe there's something there. Sicily should be among, again, one of the top 10 defensive options across all your formats. Warple, draft relevant because he's now picked up that forward status, but you probably shouldn't be going anywhere near him, you know, kind of outside of that. Um, From a Melbourne Football Club perspective, um, nothing super duper crazy out, out of the, the mix here. Um, Harms loses his forward status and is just a pure midfielder. Brayshaw loses his defensive status, just a pure midfielder. Aaron Vandenberg adds midfielder status to his forward. Um, but nothing hugely, like no one's standing there going, Oh my gosh, Brayshaw, you lost defensive status. Where did, how did that, everybody knew and expected that that was going to happen. That's it. That yeah. There's nothing too much out of the box there. It's nice to see uh, Petrarca holding on to his forward status on you know, mid this year. That's nice. But um, yeah, there's no surprises in that one. Is this the year he's going to finally break out as a fantasy footballer? Because he keeps showing signs. He keeps showing signs. There's those comparisons early in his career to Dustin Martin, and rightly or not. But is he a bit more of the slow build? Again, not this type of player, but like a Patrick Dangerfield that we just thought this was his year of breaking out. This was his year of breaking out. And he's just forever teasing. But then when he does, he just goes full breakout mode and then he's an absolute fantasy beast. Yeah, look, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised. Um, I'm not putting money on it, but yeah, certainly would not be surprised. <laughs> No, all right, fair enough, too. Let, let's keep moving on into North Melbourne. Uh, Luke McDonald loses the midfielder part of his DPP, but he's a defensive-only option. Uh, Magic Dawes, probably the biggest change. And in a super coach draft league, I, I actually think there's some relevance there. Elsewhere, maybe not, but maybe a category league. Um, uh, he went from ruck forward to defensive status, so there, there's potentially something there. Um, probably the one that's caught people... Uh, maybe not by surprise, but caught people off a little bit, was Paul Ahern loses DPP and is just a pure midfielder. And and really, in keeper leagues, goes from coaches that thought, yep, yeah, going to keep him. He's in my best 16, 18, 12, 20, however many as you keep. Now, as a pure midfielder, you're really going all in on banking on him being that fantasy player that you thought he was. Yeah, it's a very tough call, that one. I'm not going to make that choice in a couple of leagues myself soon. So that, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. I wasn't expecting that. Would he uh, keep forward at least one more year? But, um, yeah, it's a, a big gamble now to see, um, if he can rise as quickly as we hoped he would. Um, yes, certainly yeah, is. Meanwhile, nice um, to see Aaron Hall's forward status as well. I was about to say, Zebel uh, has, uh, 
got forward status. He was a pure midfielder last year. Aaron Hall's just a midfielder. There was some talk he may pick up defensive dual position, but that has not happened. Jed Anderson is just a pure midfielder this year. Um, Curtis Taylor, if you're looking for a cash cow option, he could um, break his way into the side. There's a lot of midfielders competing for spots in that side. And uh, even guys that are bringing in, you know, run and carry and speed like Hall and Pollock have come into the side. So you may not get games early, but uh, there's something potentially there with him. Um, not much heaps about North Melbourne I want to talk about. Maybe we can look at Port Adelaide for a, a second. Um, and again, nothing super crazy um, outside of Justin Westhoff going as a mid-forward to now a forward ruck. Yep, you heard me right. It's because he spent so much time. No, he spent so much time as a ruck. But, uh, you know, we, we we'll talk about Port Adelaide more in the preseason, but Lysette into the side, Ryder's there, Charlie Dixon. They love playing Todd Marshall and getting games into him. Uh, they've already got a pretty established and well-set back line, um, and Hamish Hartlett and Matty Broadbent need to break their way back into that side. I just don't see how... Westhoff goes back. He's never scored this well before. It's like a 10 to 15 point jump per game off, off a personal best. Um, oh, absolutely. And then you're not going to pay that price for him now either. That's, um, no, no way. Gosh, no. No, I, I can't see how he gets anywhere near repeating that, let alone why he should go anywhere near that. So look, great for maybe, maybe in your keeper league, you didn't have a ruck. And you happen to have Westhoff, and now you've kind of got a guy that can go high 80s and be a hybrid carrier for a year. Then, great. Well done, you. You've got a little bit of luck. But look, outside of that, I wouldn't want to go anywhere near that. Um, Travis Bokes lost DPP, but he is still a forward. On the reverse, Robbie Gray goes from just being a forward to a mid-forward. He's got some super coach relevance, Robbie Gray, but how they look to use him uh, with no Chad Wingard is certainly something we, we look to keep an eye on. Um, that's kind of really it from Port, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, Trangove, if uh, he can finally get his way back into the team again, um, he's now a defender instead of a midfielder. Um, I always like the kid. I don't mm. know if um, he's ever going to fully recover from uh, the the nightmares he had at Melbourne, but, um, yeah, he's, um, yeah, he's there. Yeah, he's there. That's a nice way to put it. Look, Scott Lysette, the ruck forward, again, gives you some flexibility, not much else. Xavier Gersmer, he's a very fantasy-relevant cash cow. He's a defensive midfielder, as is Connor Rosie, defensive forward. Maybe a little too expensive, uh, given what he could produce from a fantasy perspective, but look, both of those guys should get options. Zach Butters, uh, just a pure midfielder. I thought he might have jagged some forward status there from champion data. Um, I think he's going to be the guy that they look to use um, inside forward 50 a little bit. Really classy player, adds some pressure and speed around the ball. Um, Maybe there's something there, but again, he's going to be pretty pricey for a guy I expect to spend a lot of time inside forward 50. Yeah, no, I'd... um... I'd move on. All right. Well, we'll talk about your Tigers. Um, really only two um, dual position players. Oh, oh look, but all of a sudden he's all up and about. Um, only really hey, two dual it. position hey. players <laughs> to, to talk about. Uh, Shane Edwards retains mid-forward status. Uh, freakishly good player, but probably not really fantasy relevant. Callum Coleman-Jones uh, was a ruck last year. He adds forward status. I guess, you know, while we're talking about rucks and Richmond, 
that's going to be a much debate and conversation over the preseason. What do Richmond do with a secondary ruck option in 2019? Do they continue on with Greg? Do they use the Rolls Royce of, of Tom Lynch for, you know, into that role? Do they look to a Soldo? Do they look to a Cal? Callum Coleman Jones, even a Chol. I don't know. You know, like that's going to be one of the talking points across the preseason for Richmond. Oh, absolutely, it is. And um, you know, look, and any of those things, um, you know, potentially make some sort of sense too. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I had any idea on what they might be rolling with at this point. But uh, I'm very interested to see how they go about it. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, a couple of guys that have lost dual position status and are now just forward only is Josh Caddy and Kane Lambert um, and Jack Higgins. The thing that made them relevant, though, is their forward status. All of those guys have retained that. That's handy. Look, Patrick Nash intrigues me. Uh, he was a mid-forward yep. last year. He's just a defender. How far off is he from getting into Richmond's kind of 22 to 25? Yeah, look, I, I don't know. He had a, a pretty good season um, in, in the VFL, but... Um there's still a, it's a hard 22 to break into. Um, I'm yeah. not sure how he's going to get there without, uh, you know, an, an injury or, or suspension to a couple of guys ahead of him at this point. Um, I'd love to see him play. He's, um, he's looked great from what little I've seen of him, but, uh, yeah, I don't know how soon he'll be getting there. No, that's true. And, you know, it would, Richmond have added some extra bigger bodies in that midfield, which Nash certainly isn't, um, with the likes of a Collier Dawkins, but they've still got so many of the Mosquito fleet up there that aren't getting regular game time that are continuing to push into that side, the likes of Shy Bolton. Liam Baker, again, he's not really a pressure forward, Patrick Nash. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting, but look, he, he's one to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As, as are a, a few of those other kids you mentioned. Um... Meanwhile, Brandon Ellis keeps his de- defensive status, which is nice. And, um, yeah, there's uh, not a whole lot of, of positional change relevance. Um, Camden McIntosh, if you were using him as a, a very deep depth option uh, in a, a draft league of some sort, is a mid-only now. He's lost his defensive eligibility. And, uh, beyond that, there's not a whole lot more to, to talk about, I think, other than the joy of talking about Richmond. I made a vow that for the coaches panel in 2019, the name of Camden McIntosh would not get mentioned. But here we are on the first podcast of the year talking about. No, no, he's a, he's a lovely man with a fantastic touch. I'm, I'm impressed that you picked up on it. Yeah, and I didn't have to go to the swear jar, so that was a good sign. Uh, let's talk about St Kilda, speaking of the swear jar. Uh, and there's a couple of relevant uh, moves for us. Uh, a couple of their kids last year, uh, Nick Caulfield has lost his DPP but kept the defensive part, so that's where his relevance is. Hunter Clark, just a pure defender this year. He was a midfielder for us last year. Dan Hanabry joining the club. He's still retaining that midfield status. Jack Nunes has added forward to his midfield status, so that's a, a handy gain for you. Blake Akers keeps defend, uh, mid-forward status. That's good news. He's shown some handy scoring for you. I think kind of one that kind of caught me by surprise, but takes him from kind of absolute irrelevance anywhere to at least let's have a conversation about David Armitage. He's a mid-forward. No, let's not. And for a draft league, that no. Nah. <laughs> he's, nah he's, is he your Camden McIntosh, is he? 
Oh no, look, I wouldn't go that far. I just um no, nah, look, he's um no, as you say, he's picked up forward status now, so that makes him interesting in some ways in a, a deeper sort of draft. But um, well, he's at the the tail end of his career, I think, and um, and if St Kilda do want to be taking strides forward, they don't want to be giving up twenty two games. So I wouldn't have thought at this point that some um, yeah, um, yeah they they've got to start developing some of these kids a little bit more, you know. Armitage, I don't think, is the answer for them. And even if he is, I don't know that um, he's at the, the peak of his scoring anymore either, unfortunately. No, he's not. But that's where I'd like take some of his games from like, you know, around 15, 16, 17, where he's scoring tons. I'd float that near somewhere and in a draft, in a keeper league and say, look, he can score. And then just hope you get like a round 20 draft pick for him and then run. Um, that's his I mean, relevance yeah. for you. Yeah, no, I'm, happy. <laughs> I'm happy with that. <laughs> that's... <laughs> Not much else. Uh, getting close to wrapping up our uh, positional podcast conversation uh, from a Sydney perspective. Um, Ryan Clark retains uh, his defensive status. Zach Jones uh, is moving from midfielder to defensive status. Nick Blakey, uh, their new father-son recruit, he's a forward only. He could be of certain fantasy interest. Again, we need to see the price. We need to see what other forward cash cows we get. But... He's a really highly touted youngster. Depending on the price, depending on if he gets games early, maybe there's something there. Yeah, no, he's definitely in that conversation. Absolutely. Maybe. Uh, Isaac Heaney keeps his mid-forward status. Uh, Tom Papley is just a pure forward. um, (laughs) Yuck. Um, Jackson Thurlow is just a pure midfielder. Uh, George Hewitt, yeah, is just a pure midfielder. Um, Kieran so Jack, pass. Well, that's the interesting one, Ollie Florent. He's someone you've talked a couple of times throughout this episode around keeper league coaches getting impatient with the development of young players. And Ollie Florent moves from dual position status, or sorry, forward status, to just a pure midfielder. He's got fantasy potential all over him. More opportunities opening up. Now, while I Many believe Callum Mills will get some of Dan Hanabry's midfield rotation, which could very well be the case. Ollie Florent is the outside run and class um, that Sydney have lacked in their side for so many years. Um, I actually think he could be a guy that picks up plenty of that time. Oh, absolutely. I don't expect him to average 100 this year, but I do expect him to have a pretty sizable jump on what he's done in the last couple of He's um he's definitely one to keep a, a little bit of an eye on, especially as you said in drafts. Yeah, all right. Uh, last couple of clubs before we uh, wrap up uh, this podcast episode. Let's talk about the West Coast Eagles. Um, again, nothing super huge and super crazy. Um, to to kind of focus on, you know. Brandon Archie um, was really popular last year as a potential breakout option. He's lost the midfielder part but retained his forward status. Um, probably the big one, Elliot Yo moves from defensive mid to just – in fact, he was just a pure defender last year. He's now just a midfielder. He still scored well enough, though, to be amongst the top midfielders now, whether or not you're game enough to go there is another story. But he's uh, still relevant. He's relevant, um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're not so it's surprised. A pick. Look, it's a ballsy pick to start with him. Either you're, um, you're, you're, very, you're over keen, I think, or you're an Eagles fan. Um, I, 
As you said, he's certainly got some some good scoring about him, but uh, yeah, it's it, he's a hard one to pick uh, given some of the other options we've got. But that said, I don't want to talk anyone out of him. Um, yeah, as you say, he's uh, scored well enough at times to justify that starting position there. So if you if you think he's going to uh, do that or, or do better again, then uh, by all means, back him in. Well, what makes him interesting is, again, purely from a salary cap perspective, looking at who he shares his buy round with, just purely in the midfield group. You've got, from a Melbourne perspective, Clayton Oliver would be leading the charge. Um, maybe you're going in Angus Brayshaw or Jack Viney. I don't think either of those two, but definitely Clayton Oliver. Collingwood, you've got a plethora of potential premium options through there. Brisbane, do you go for a Lockie Neal? Do you think he's going to keep re-emerging as a fantasy player? Geelong, again, plethora of options. Sydney, um, guys like a, a Luke Parker, while hasn't been that big 105, 110, 115 mid kind of premium that we'd all hoped he'd be again, you know he's got the fantasy skills about him to go absolute uber mode on us at any given time. So these are the kind of guys he's competing with, let alone the likes of an Andrew Gaff that's in his own side. Yeah, absolutely. But um, just to, to back over that um, the start of that list you mentioned there, you um, you're writing off Andy, uh, sorry Angus Brayshaw as a starting option next year. I'm not writing it off as a starting option. I just I would be. What, what was he priced? You know that kind of hundred one hundred and five kind of marker through there. I think yes, there's some development. Yes, there's some growth. But I feel like he's the kind of guy I'd rather upgrade to rather than start with. When you start looking at guys going, okay, who are you likely to start with across the formats? Likely to start with Tom Mitchell. Now, you're going to be paying an absolute crud load for him, but he's certainly a guy that you go, I'm confident he's going to be a top 10 sort of midfielder. And that's who you're starting these players over 100 points per game in average. They're probably guys you're thinking, I'm banking on them being top five, top 10. Otherwise, why are you starting with them? Get the locks in there. You're probably then looking at guys, um, you know, do you look at a McRae? Do you look at a Fife if he's fit? Do you look at one of the Collingwood, you know, dozen? Do you look at a Kelly? Do you look at a Crouch? Do you look, um, you know, at, at a Duncan or a Ross or a Mera? You know, now we're starting to head into the less likely top tens in some of these names. But so that's where for me with an anchor's Brayshaw, it's very much around, is he a guaranteed top 10? No, probably not guaranteed. Is he guaranteed top 20? No, probably not. So I'd rather upgrade him and be wrong than start with him and be, <laughs> and be wrong, if that makes sense. No, no, no. I, got, I can certainly appreciate that. He, um, he had a blistering run home, didn't he? He's oh, like look, he, he was... It's a lot to like. If you, He's got a... A lot to like about him. And I am in a couple of keeper leagues too, so I'm certainly not um, confirmation bias guilty there. But, uh, yeah, for me, uh, there's some midfielders I like considerably more that I feel more comfortable personally investing the cash on. But if someone said I'm going for him, i go, oh, he's got the ceiling about him. I'm not going to do it. But God bless you on your way, my brother. Um, that is for sure. Um, let's talk about the Bulldogs before we answer a couple of questions that have been sent in to us. Probably from a Western Bulldog perspective, two big um, retentions is probably the best way to put it. Toby McLean keeping mid-forward status. Josh Dunkley keeping forward status. But adding to that is his midfield DPP. How they get used, who gets midfield minutes, 
What happens because Tom Liberatore returns? Big questions, but great news for for coaches because Dunkley on the run home was awesome. McLean for the first half of the year, phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's um no, definite uh, definite uh, decision to make between the two there, um, or, or both, as some might um, have seen suggested on social media recently, are going to go for. So, uh, that, yeah, that'll certainly be interesting. Um, Meanwhile, um, those who'd hang on to Sam Lloyd in a, a deeper keeper league, hoping he might be more relevant at a new club, or be disappointed to see he's mid-only instead of uh, the forward status he had last year. Yeah, give him the Brett Deledio. He's done. That's it. No more. Um, but uh, and Bailey Dale. Hayden Crozier as a defender. Status. Yep. Yeah, he has. Bailey Dale's picked yep. up forward, and Caleb Daniel is a forward only as well now. So there's a few more dogs in the forward line that um, certainly in a draft are, uh, are worth a little look. Yeah, and again, speaking of draft, you know, depending on your structure and your strategy, you know, what the Bulldogs choose to do is going to be of, of big interest. But Tom Boyd has picked up ruck status to go, uh, forward status to go with his ruck. Tim English, it's a pure ruck, certainly he's their long-term, you know, kind of great option through there. Uh, Trengove uh, is now just a pure defender. So, look, if you were going to be looking to handcuff some doggies, it's got to be an English-Boyd combination um, that you're looking to roll through there. I feel very nervous um, running with that as a combination uh, in, in my draft league, but I've certainly seen crazier things. But, uh, yeah, no, I just don't know if I could go near that myself. Nah, probably not. But, um, but look, uh, at some point, um, English will break out, you think, and, and, and become a a top-line option. Um, that was why they took him as early as they did and why uh, a lot of people in keeper leagues have hung on to him all these years. So um, one day he might get there, um, whether it's this year or not is uh, another question, I guess. But, um, yeah, one day. All right, all right fair enough. Hey, before we wrap up... 25. No, that's exactly right. That is exactly right. Hey, before we wrap up the episode, got a ton of questions we've been sent through. We want to get through them. Some of them uh, come via our Patreon members. Thank you so much for your support. If you want to join our Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash coaches panel to get some exclusive and early access to some of our 2019 content. Uh, Richoffs uh, has asked this question for you though, Jimmy. It's a keeper league question. Merritt or Kelly? Who are you going to pick in a keeper league if you can only have one? If we're for starting a brand new keeper league, I'd um, or, or yeah, sure. Basis, I guess. Um, yeah, look, I'd. I think it comes down to personal preference. To be perfectly honest, um, you know, I I like Kelly more as a player. I enjoy watching him. Um, yep. so I'd probably take him, and and for no real other reason than that, they've both got that same sort of bracket of scoring potential of that sort of. Um, you know, 110-ish, give or take a bit. Um, yeah, I think you pick the player you like most in that sort of a case. Yeah, Ke- Kelly's got a bit more untagability about him. I know that's not proper yeah. grammar. Um, and Merritt's got a bit more of that junk time football about him. Um, but, yeah, look, if if you've got two picks are on the board and Merritt and Kelly are still there, it, it, you can't go bad um, <laughs> with either of those picks. That's for sure. Ian wants to know, can Dusty bounce back to fantasy relevance for us this year? Of course he can. Load up. Oh, gosh, I knew I was going to tiger support of that. I should, have, I should not have asked you that question. I should have spent I'd, um, much more I'd time. I'd rather have another premiership medal than another 110 average, personally. But, um, you know, we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll see him with both this year. Who knows? Um, he's, you, you're going for both. Absolutely. Why not? 
But look, he, um, I don't think it's any secret that he scored less than we expected him to 2018. Um, there's no sure. reason why that can't bounce back and be a little bit better in 2019. It's, um, you know, he, we know he's got that capability. Um, if you think he can, then, um, yeah, he presents value. That's great. Yep, no, certainly does too. Uh, Calza wants to know your thoughts on Kyle Langford being a sneaky point of difference in Super Coach. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Yeah, look, he's um he's got again got that potential, but at the end of the year, I don't think many of us would expect him to be a top ten forward option. Um, and at the start of the year, is he going to present enough value to make him worth picking? at that mid-price range versus um, finding a little bit of extra cash for a premium or spending a bit less for someone with more meat on the bone. He's um, no, presents as a, a quality option, but I don't know that he's the best point of view, or, or sorry, the best player to start with. Um, but very happy to be proven wrong. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, on, on that conversation, talking about price points and guys that present value versus guys that are premiums, uh, Jake yeah. says, is it worth going for a couple of mid-prices, like a Brody Smith and an Anthony Miles, than opposed to a gun and rook approach of Lockie Whitfield and Bailey Smith? Of course, dangerous when you don't know their prices, to answer this question. Oh, of course it is. Um, look, and it's it's really a piece of spring question, and, and then that comes down to the overall structure of your side as much as anything. and and what you feel more comfortable with. Um, I'm kind of sitting on the fence a little bit there, but I don't think it's necessarily a right or a wrong way to do it. Um, and you won't know the right or wrong players to pick until the season's well and truly in. So if, um, yeah, and I think at the end of it, you've just got to look at that price versus points and what you expect those players to do um, and make sure those expectations are reasonable. Yeah, and then you probably add in the extra variation of the trades that are going to be used um, in that combination. Do you expect a, a, a Miles and a Smith to become guys that you keep in your side? You're thinking that with Lockie Whitfield. Now, you're going to look to trade Smith out in that regards anyway, but it, it's all those variables in it. It's price, it's scoring potential, what your genuine realistic thoughts are. I, I think they're going to go here. Yeah. Is that enough cash generation? Would you get the same prices, um, the points on field from a cash cow at that point? How many trades are you going to use? How many other premiums you've got? You know, it's, it's not just ever a simple two versus two combination. There's multi layers and multi variables involved. Oh, absolutely there is. And that's, that's what makes the game interesting. Yeah, it certainly does. Last couple of questions. Matt wants to know, and again, uh, the caveat is this is because right now at time of recording, we don't know the full prices. They haven't been revealed by Supercoach or Dream Team yet, and AFL Fantasy will start. Uh, if it's anything like um, the previous few years, start rolling them out gradually across December and January till the format opens every couple of days. But who do you think is a potential early pick for R2 in salary caps? He says... Grundy is a clear number one, but he's very interested to see what people think for R2. Is it another year of set and forget, Jimmy, or is it the year of lock one and try to find some value? Well, I guess um, I wouldn't talk someone out to picking a, a Grundy and Gorn combo again. You know, you know that if they do well, they, they're going to do very, very well and be very hard for any other combo to catch them. Um, but whether we can find some value in another ruck, and this comes back in a lot of ways to what we were talking about just a minute ago with that mid-price thing, is um, is going to be the thing. Yeah. Is um, you know, does, I don't know what price uh, as yet Shane Mumford's going to be at, but um, is he going to be a, a valid option? 
was depicted. Um, yeah, there, there's going to be no doubt at some point um, we're going to find a one club's got a, an injured R1 and their R2 is dirt cheap is going to step up and, and they might become tough. There's a, a lot of variables in that sort of thing. And um, yeah, I think much like um, every other position on the ground, if you're not picking the guy that you think is going to be the best overall player for that position for the year, you're picking someone who's going to help you get to that guy quicker than uh, your mid-price or in another line. So, um, yeah, I don't see anything at all wrong with going a, a more speculative R2 as long as you've got the right reasons to justify it. Yeah, and that'll be something that, as you, you alluded to and we talked a bit before, once prices are known, that's the quantifiable that then helps us. Yes, we know the positions. We know who's relevant for us there. We know who's available for us there. Now it's about what's the price tag associated with these players. Is there the discount that you expected in a certain player? Is it a greater discount or less? How are you going to structure your side based on the buyers, fixtures, all the things that right throughout the preseason here at Coaches Panel, we are here to help you have hopefully your best ever fantasy football season. Hey, Jimmy, appreciate your work on this episode, uh, looking through the positions for 2019. No worries, mate. Absolute pleasure. Of course, uh, if you've been on the journey with the coaches panel, whether it be just a, a matter of days or years, we're excited to have you on the journey with the coaches camel, coaches camel, coaches panel. That's our new name, mate. We're the coaches camel, uh, back for 2019. There you go. That's how we're going to make it work. Uh, we have the podcasts uh, all landing for you with the 50 most relevant starting January 1. In fact, I'll even do one before that, kind of walking you through the concept of the 50 most relevant so you know exactly what to expect. Daily articles relaunching a whole new website. The old has gone, the new has come. Um, and the coaches panel here to help you with articles right throughout your preseason, uh, looking at the club by clubs, looking at S22s, JLTs, 50 most relevant, and a whole stack more. Heaps of content coming through our Facebook and Twitter social media channels. And, of course, if you want to be a part of supporting the Coaches Panel, one of the great ways you can do that is uh, by becoming a part of our Patreon, which you can do at our patreon.com forward slash Coaches Panel. You don't have to do it, but if you'd like to, we certainly won't say no to that. We cannot wait to do the Fantasy Footy Journey with you in 2019 because, my friend, it is underway.